are now listening to Enter VR, the podcast on all things virtual reality and sometimes a little more. I'm Chris Miranda, your host, and today I'm speaking with uh, Jules. Um, for, he's the founder of Otoy and the CEO. Um, Jules, I'm going to murder your last name, so please help me out with this one. Um, Herbeck. It's okay. Herbeck. Okay, cool. Um, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Cool. So, for the uninitiated, uh, what is o- Otoy? So, o- Otoy is a, uh, uh, you know, I guess for the tours describe us, it's a cloud rendering company. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have um, a, a pretty deep um, investment in also capturing reality through um, our live stage service. And, uh, you know, and sort of to focus on the, on the uh, cloud rendering work that we do, um, you know, we've been working towards providing really high-end rendering services um, on the cloud where compute power is basically unlimited and cheap. And as we get, you know, more and more demanding applications for rendering and it's gone beyond, um, you know, movies and even video games, now we're talking about, you know, VR where, you know, the expectation is ultimately that it's going to look real and it's going to be uh, navigable and interactive. Um, you know, we see all the things that we've been building towards for the last six years um, having a really uh, interesting convergence with VR and AR. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as far as our customers go, you know, a lot of us, a lot of our customers have been using our software uh, on their own computers to render things, and that's um, been through Octane Render. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are, you know, basically now moving uh, more and more of Octane into the cloud. So we just launched couple of days ago, uh, right on our webpage, you go to otoy.com, you can try Octane in, in the browser, and it's a, you know, the full version, um, and it's using uh, GPO and Amazon for that, for that experience. Um, the idea, though, is that with tens of thousands of GPUs on Amazon, we can leverage that compute power to render more than just an image or a, even a live um, uh, you know, animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can start cr- to create full holographic volumes, which are um, essentially... Uh, you know, I, I guess if you think of a volumetric text or a cube of light, you know, there's space that you can actually walk through and look through, and it looks completely real. Hmm. Um, right now, we're synthetically rendering these um, these scenes, and we're providing a stream that you can view them in uh, for both a VR and and uh, 2D display. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's uh, there's just a lot that can be done with that. I mean, you can use as as a building block for uh, cinematic VR or or video games that are cloud based. Um, and you know the, the latency is very good um, when you're just displaying a window into that world on your computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more challenging when you're trying to do this in VR. Uh, and in that sense, we're sending down more than just um, you know sort of the view or an image. We're sending down a light field uh, of you know of a chunk of that um, of that cube or that volume that's been rendered. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, you know the entryway into that um, uh, you know into, into that ecosystem is through uh, is through Octane either you know the version that you can grab on your computer or the one that we're providing um, shortly as a pure cloud service. Very cool. And so you're, in a sense, I feel like you're, you guys are aiming for photorealism um, and, and, bringing, and bringing, you know, worlds to life in, inside of the, the virtual world. Um, and and I'd, I'd like to know, you know, as, as someone working in this, you know, at what point do you tell yourself, all right, this scene here is photorealistic enough? I mean, or, or more like, you know, what's the holy grail of, of photorealism? I think 
I think skin and humans, I mean, when you see some, because I think we can already do uh, environments that look completely real. I mean, that, you know, Octane is, is more than just a render. I mean, you know, when you look at a lot of renders that are out there, um, you know, popular ones like V-Ray, for example, um, you know, or Mental Ray, they, they basically, you know, they cheat to get you the rendering effect. It looks, it looks good, but Octane is, is physically correct. I mean, it's spectrally correct as well. So the, the rays of light, every, every physical effect that you see is actually a physics calculation. And it's called, you know, that, that type of rendering is called path tracing. Um, and it's harder than just normal, you know, ray tracing or, or biased rendering that you've typically been using to, to, to get phone uh, work done. So Octane really is, um, if you set, set up your scene right, um, you, you know, there's no, there's no you know, CG lights. You just provide an emissive surface onto an object and that becomes your light, just like in the, in the real world. Um, and, and it basically lights everything correctly. And it just takes, um, you almost get an instantaneous version of that viewport. Uh, and it takes a little bit of time for the uh, noise, almost like exposing a photograph for it to, yeah, for it to go away. And then you have an image. Um, and so that, that is something that is already working great. I mean, we have, um, you know, tens of thousands of users. And, and if you look at the gallery, both uh, in the recently released VR gallery that we put out in our uh, Gear VR app, uh, and it's also in the Oculus 360 Photos app, uh, but also on our site, um, you know, you'll see stuff that looks really convincing. Uh, the hard part is, is, is in people and that's one of the reasons why we've uh, we, we have so much of our, our resources focused on light stage because light stage solves that uncanny valley problem it captures um, you know essentially a light field I mean or, or in layman's terms uh, or, um, I, I guess you can call it a holographic uh, capture of, of a face mm -hmm. and you know it's it's been it was recently publicized because we did, um, you know, Paul Devevic, um, who's our chief graphics officer, uh, just did a uh, light stage scan of President Obama that was for the Smithsonian. Hmm. And, you know, we've just done tons. Yeah, uh, it's, it's if you Google Obama light scan, uh, light stage, you'll, you'll see uh, Paul and you'll see the president. Uh, and you'll see a makeshift version of LifeStage that had to be put together in a, a few days. So we built various versions. There's one giant one in Burbank, another giant one at USC where the where Paul and, and uh, our LifeStage CTO team created this. But this is a tool that allows you to create and capture, um, you know, actors. And it takes about 15 minutes to go through all the expressions of a person. And once you have that, you can then rebuild their face um, as an avatar mask. You can even have that driven by a different person or actor. Yeah. Um, and that technology was used to probably its fullest effect in Avatar and Benjamin Button. And for that, um, Paul Linton actually won an Academy Award. So this, this technology has been really great for films. It's also been used in video games. Um, Hello 2, all the, uh, all the cutscenes that Blur did are, are using, um, uh, you know, light stage uh, scans as well. And it's definitely um, been, been great for scanning in uh, actors and celebrities, but we're also now starting to scan in, uh, you know, just regular people. So we can start building a database of all the different, you know, uh, types of heads and, and, um, and ages that you can have. Uh, and, and from that, we, we think that you'll probably be able to build your own uh, avatar head uh, with all the face, uh, face muscles rigged and provide that as a map onto a facial tracking system eventually. So there's, there's um, you know, getting skin to look right is very hard. Getting faces to look right is hard. But again, having real world sources for that has, uh, has been, you know, mitigated that significantly. Um, and if you, you know, look at things like Venture Button or more recently things like Hulk, uh, and Avengers, you know, whenever Mark Ruffalo is turning into into Hulk, that was based on our our light stage scan uh, that ILM did with us. So there's a lot of uh, potential for for really getting complete photorealism 
And that thing that the human mind, I think, is the most sensitive to um, is, you know, if human faces. I mean, our brains are wired to really know when a face looks right or, or, or not right. And that's why the Uncanny Valley is such an issue mm-hmm. in, you know, games, films, or, or even uh, robots that, that people build. Um, the, the light stage uh, capture gets four level details, so every squint in your eyes, all of that, all of the subtleties are really important as cues um, to to sort of feed into the um, CG head that you're rendering. And that makes it look really, you know, that crosses the Uncanny Valley um, and, and provides something that you feel looks real. Can, can you tell me a little bit more about skin? What is it about humans? And, and I've seen it in every video game uh, slash every movie that I've seen. You know, human skin, when you watch it and it's CG, it's it just doesn't feel right. Um, wh- why? Why is it so difficult to, to, to get human skin to look... Um, un- uncanny. Well, it's, it's it's a complex lighting problem in CG because the skin is not a normal surface or a simple surface like um, you know like wood or metal or glass or water even. Um, you know, skin has many layers of transparency, and so when light enters through that first transparent layer of skin, it starts to bounce around and scatter. Uh, it, hits, it can hit a blood vessel, it can hit uh, t- tissue or flesh, or uh, depending on the on, on even you know even on a face, depending on how um, flushed you are, you know, the, the blood in your, in your, uh, in your facial uh, muscles can actually change the way that your that the skin is, is lit. Uh, oil on, on the very top surface of the skin is another layer that changes the whole way the lighting works. So it's, it's, it's a very complex surface and it's not just actually a surface. It goes down into many layers um, that are, that are reasonably hard to simulate. I mean, people have built uh, skin simulations and those can look pretty good, but it's actually, a combination of that plus the fact that that you know the face itself, um, you know when you're if you're doing um, a, a CG head and it's not it's not perfectly matching the very subtle you know motions of your lips and, and especially your eyes, uh, it, it that's when it, it it really falls apart. So it's not just getting really good looking um, you know skin to look good. It's it's also animating the face and, and the expressions. Perfectly, uh, those two things in combination give you, uh, you know, a head that you that will be convincingly real. Uh, but if even one of those things fail, it, it just won't look good, um, or it'll look strange. You know, if you, if you see, um, you know, a, a body that's that's uh, not alive, you know, it, it does have this creepy look to it, um, mm-hmm. and that's something that obviously that's good. that could be with real skin, it could be with a, with a real person. So there's more than just. Um, it's more than just the rendering of the, of the actual face. It's, it's the, you know, it's, it's the expressions and the subtleties that sort of bring that, uh, yeah, face to, to life that animate it, that, that are also critically important. And with the life stage, we get both. We get basically all the complexities of skin, um, and how the reflectance works, you know, is essentially turned into a, a reflectance field. Um, so we don't have to write a special shader. We just get that data from the life stage. And then we of course get really, um, very fine grained details of the um, different face, facial muscles um, down to you know a single pore on the on the skin. So it's it's basically all the data you need to render a head that looks real. Let me ask you: Is there a race to 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 cross the uncanny valley? Are are there other companies uh, out there that you know of that are also you know wanting to plant the flag to say? F- First, we you know we we were the first. We were the first to trick other humans into thinking that what they were seeing was reality when in fact it wasn't. Um, is there, is is does that mean anything to anybody? If if it, just to be able to say I'm the first um, to cross the uncanny valley, what do you think? Well, I, I think that, that there's. Um 
you know, we've worked in, in tandem. I mean, there's no one that's, that there's no other service like Lightstage, so it happens to be you know, unique in the industry, and and that's why we work with everyone. You know, that's why it's used on tons of films. Um, you know, from from you know, Tron to to Venture Button to the Avatar movies to uh, you know to the Avengers and and newer things, but. I feel like the, the, you know, what you do with that data um, is, is also interesting. So, you know, we, we basically provide the scan and, and the data sets, but not all of that's necessarily used. You know, there's a lot of data that LightStage captures that, you know, a lot of renders just don't really make use of. So Octane is designed to use that data and our, our compression, everything that we're doing to, to sort of store and process uh, a full light field or reflectance field um, is leveraging what we can fully capture in the LightStage. But... There's a lot of CG doubles, digital doubles that have been done that, that look really good. I mean, a lot of people saw Social Network. You know, we did a, a scan of Ar- Army Hammer for Social Network. Um, and, you know, there's there was a lot of digital facial pl- replacement. You know, the, the twins in the movie were um, basically both Army Hammer, right? So there's the, – yeah, and the second um, – that second twin was was a digital double of Army Hammer's face, so that's the kind of stuff where there's already been really convincing good CG done. Um, Lightstage has generally been used as a basis for getting that going. Um, so I think that that it's just a question of when, at what point do you do an entire movie where the you know there's a human looking character, not Golem, not Hulk, um, you know where you know not, not an ape, but you know where it's basically a human being during the entire performance of the um, of the film. And that looks as real as as, as basically um, having shot that with a camera, and that's going to be an important you know thing to, to crack because if you don't do that, you're never going to be able to really render virtual reality the way we want in a way that's convincing. Mm-hmm. So there's a simple way to do that, which is instead of using a, a camera, you could really just you know have the entire performance of that actor done on a light stage, and you know rather than just getting a 2D um, you know image or video from from the camera, you, you would get basically. Um, a, a perfectly complete um, holographic, you know, version of their performance, and that could be placed in a VR world um, and and lit perfectly and, and cast shadows perfectly, and it would look correct. Hmm. Um, and that would be a simple thing because it wouldn't require changing the performance at all. That just basically takes something, um, you know, takes a person from the real world, puts them in CG. And you're done. Now, if you want to create a totally synthetic actor, um, the way that Benjamin Button, you know, attempted to do, or even uh, Avatar earlier than that, or Hulk, you know, that's something that is um, also possible. But I haven't yet seen it done perfectly to the point where it's it's you know it's a complete perfect version of the actor, and it's not being driven by you know a raw light stage scan. It's basically if it's if it's something that's you know that's making the um, CG head perform, uh, you know there's still there's still some some work to be done there. But it's getting there. It's it's very close, and I think it could definitely be done in in for small amounts of, of time when you have a lot of artistry and work being put into that. And if you're doing something cinematic, then that's fine. You know the the real holy grail is you know when you can have um, you can be in front of your your sensor you know whatever that ends up being and talk into it and and your avatar shows up as you or you know driven by your performance and it looks completely real whether you choose it to be your own face from 10 years ago or somebody else's or some something else's um the idea is that it looks completely convincing in any case and that is something that i think is you know five to ten years away um and probably you know closer to five than ten so i think it's it's you know we're, we're getting into some exciting uh, areas as um you know, as technology improves. And, yeah, we feel the light stage is, is a big part of that. And the work that we're doing also to sort of standardize 
every single light tissue scan we've ever done, including the, the muscle, muscles in the face, um, onto sort of a single um, performance capture head is already a big part of that work. And we're doing that this, you know, over the next year. And once that's done, then we'll be able to start testing live uh, performances that drive a light stage head and see how that looks. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is it technically possible to do a full-length movie without a single cameraman and just light stages? Is that, is that, is that possible? Yeah, I mean it's 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 something that actually some some people have come to us to do and 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 uh, and, and and it's not not for a full length movie, but people have tried to do shorts where the entire performance is uh, is CG, um, you know, from the light stage data, and it is it is certainly possible. Mm -hmm. um, there's if you're making a movie and the movie is being projected in two D, um, you know, there's there's still it's still very cheap to get a camera and film and film people, right? So the thing is. I think you know what we've sort of seen is that we, people come to Lysage when there's genuinely a need for something that that you know a human or an actor to be rendered in a way that the, the camera can't capture, hmm. um, and that's that's why you you know even for a movie that you wouldn't think it would have special effects like Social Network, there was a need for a digital double for for the uh, you know for the twins. So that's a case where the Lysage was was, was leveraged. Um, again, Avengers, Hulk, you know, there's there's all sorts of things where that's important, and, and Avatar is another example of that. Benjamin Button was probably one of the longest um, chunks of a movie that was really driven by digital double, driven by, it was not just our, our light stage stuff, but it was also um, digital domain mixing together some other pieces to drive that, that head, and it was a lot of artistry and work, but it could be done, and, <laughs> and I think that uh, you're, you're, it's going to be, it, it's already going to become um, cheaper and you know more inexpensive to the point where people that are looking to do entirely CG, um, you know, animations might be able to start doing that entirely in their computer for the cost of what it would take to go out and film something on the street, and that's that is pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. um, and the benefit from there is that if you're if you're not rendering into a two D image plane and you want to have something that's volumetrically rendered so that people can experience it and explore it with position tracking or room scale VR, uh, you know, then, then you have to do stuff like this. It has to work and it has to be, you know, inexpensive. So we're, we're building the various pieces for the, for that pipeline. Um, even now, you know, an mm -hmm. octane, octane and octane VR, which we, we we're giving out for free, big part of that. Um, and as we get closer to the end of the year and we start seeing other devices that have position tracking, like the HoloLens and, and, hopefully the consumer version of the Rift and, and, and the Vive, you know, those things will allow you to really explore this kind of content. And there's nothing that has to be done any differently other than just using Octane. Um, so there's, uh, there's just more work that we want to do in terms of providing, you know, humans and, 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 um, and bodies in the CG environment that can be driven by Connect and then by performance capture from, a, you know, your face talking to a camera. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where we see a lot of, um, really interesting content being created for VR um, that, that's cinematic, that looks completely real mm -hmm. and that doesn't, you know, cost a whole lot to be done by um, somebody in their, in their home, you know, the way that people now upload their own YouTube videos. Uh, and it's on us to, to provide not just the tools, but also, you know, the, the ecosystem, the, the uh, tutorials, and, and even in the case of light stage heads, the, um, you know, some data sets so people can get going. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, you know, there's so many directions I can take this conversation and just, just based on all the things that sparked curiosity, curiosity of the things you just said, man, and I really am struggling to figure out which direction to go in. All right, let me ask you about Render the Metaverse Contest. Um, tell me about this, what's going on, 
how can people get involved? Uh, let's do this. <laughs> so Re Render the Metaverse is a, um, a you know a joint uh, contest competition that we're doing with Oculus, and Oculus is providing some pretty big prize money for the winners. Mm -hmm. um, and it's 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 a basically it's an it's a VR. Yeah, it's still image contest. And, you know, when you're talking about VR images, you're talking about 360 degrees, things that are, you know, obviously look, you know, that, that are, that have realism and depth wherever you're looking. Yeah. And, um, and fortunately, um, for, for the artists everywhere, you know, we have a tool uh, with Rocktain that just spits out these, these images right out of your CG uh, render, you know, or your CG scene. So you can load in any, any model, you can download a model from, Turbo Squid, uh, or create your own in, in any one of 24 different tools. And with Octane, um, you can obviously see the model in a 2D window, but then there's, um, you know, a, 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 a menu you can pull down and, and select the Gear VR, you know, ultimate resolution, this Carmack invented 18K cube map uh, strip. And it'll render into that, and then you can just drop that file onto the Gear VR and view it, and it'll look absolutely amazing and so the 14 or 15 samples that we provided uh, a few days ago with the launch of the competition give people a pretty good idea of what um what these renders look like and uh it's it's something that that you know anybody that's had any sort of skill with um uh, you know, with, with, with 3D of any kind can, can probably do some really good stuff. Octane's very simple to use, but you, you don't need to be a master at CG to do good lighting in there. You can, you know, you can pick that time of day and the sun will, you know, there's a fiscally correct sky and sun system that can, you know, make very simple daylight environments. Um, there's tons of data on Evermotion, for example, that you can just, you know, buy if you have a 3 Studio Max um, three studio max software. And of course there's, you know, we also provided, um, free tools for blender and for poser. So if you, if you have any, um, content that's in any of those two tools, um, you know, you can use that to create these, these scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and it's something that I feel is, is so interesting. It's so compelling. I mean, people don't realize how, how amazing a, a still scene can look when you're translating or transposing, you know, people typically think that you're going to have to experience content because, you know, through motion, through, through temporal, um, you know, streams that give you information about what you're seeing. But there's a whole other aspect, which which is when you have this kind of spatial resolution in, in these uh, 360 renders, just looking around, um, you, you don't want things to pass by you in, 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 in two seconds. You actually want to take in what you're seeing. And when you think about it, when you're looking out of a window at an amazing vista or you're on the beach and you're just in a beautiful place, you, you don't necessarily want to zoom around. It. You're just looking around for 30 seconds for a minute is, is, is actually you know, what it takes for you to take in everything you're seeing. And that's the kind of resolution. I mean, it's, it's, it's the absolute best fidelity you can get in VR um, right now. And it's, it's, you know, we can also do animations, but we're starting with images because it's, it's simple and it's easy. Um, but the, uh, the, the contest is designed to give people an incentive to, to start, you know, thinking about VR cinema and, by, you know, by starting with just rendering VR images uh, that are cinematic and photoreal. And the uh, the format itself was was uh, basically created by John Carmack. I mean, the, certainly the specifications for how it renders on the Gear VR. Um, and then you know he worked with us on providing um, you know the, the the mechanism within Octane to to spit this out in a way that just you know when you, we combine those two things, it looks absolutely amazing. And hmm. you know if you heard John's um, you know talk at, at at GDC when he was speaking about this stuff, you know he's He's a really big fan of, of, of the quality of what we're achieving, and it, it is um, really stunning. So I think that, that you know, if you're doing 
anything that is trying to tell a story or a na- narrative, um, you know, the tools and the and the and the mechanism to, to experience that on on Gear VR pretty much there now. Um, and the competition um, is also being judged by a, a good friend of mine, Alex Ross, who's a really well-known comic book artist. And, um, it, you know, also his um, his style is very realistic. You know, he paints like Norman Rockwell, but when you're, you know, seeing things like, you know, Superman or, or Star Wars, you know, drawn by him, it, it really has just a, a phenomenal look. And, you know, he's always been interested in the idea of living photographs. You know, we, we were talking about, you know, the fact that he lives in Chicago and they're building a George Lucas museum. And, you know, the idea of, of being able to sort of look at the, at the props and the sets that they would build there, I mean, it's great. But, you know, the thing is you could have that an experience that could be identical to that in a, in a VR device if you, you know, were to sort of build the, you know, build up living photographs. If you were to photograph, you know, all the chunks of a museum, even the Museum of you know, the Guggenheim or the Museum of Natural History or the Smithsonian, and uh, I mean, you're not really allowed to touch much, so it's, you, all you can really do is walk close to something and look at it and have that feeling of presence. And that's something that can be, you know, replicated with very easily in, in, with the stuff that we're doing. You can build navigable nodes, uh, you know, of these, of these very high-quality um, images, and, you know, you can even animate uh, between them. And that's exactly what we're doing when we're creating content in this ourselves for, for vendors like Warner Brothers, you know, which is how the, uh, you know, we announced with them that we're doing this backache project. But the tools to, to create and publish that are all, um, you know, are all in the, um, you know, the, the, the Octane VR tool set and, and Octane Render itself. And the, um, you know, the, the contest is, is really exciting. I think it's going to be interesting to see the kinds of things people create. Um, it's probably going to take a few weeks before people really, you know, that we just released the tools. So it'll be a, a little bit of time before they um, can start to, to create their own own samples. But we're already starting to see some really great stuff. And, you know, we've seeded that, that, that um, tool set very early with some of the artists that I've been working with for a while in the CG uh, community. And if you go on um, Vimeo and look for Keloid, for example, which is a short that one of my buddies did um, a year ago, it's three minutes, all CG. It looks absolutely completely real. Um, we're basically going through that shot by shot and rebuilding that for the Gear VR using all of the, you know, using Octane VR, using uh, the Gear VR as a platform to view it on. And, uh, and and it's it's something that is going to be probably a, a good indicator of what you can really do if you if you put effort and time into just making cinematic VR content. It just looks absolutely. It's a different experience. I mean, even though it's the same animation as in the sh- same shots that we we used in uh, or seen in, in in a you know nineteen twenty by ten eighty p video, when you're seeing it in the Gear VR, even just one frame, it, it is. I can't describe the difference, and it's the same assets. It's really, it's pretty amazing. And you know, we went through some of our old commercials. We had done work for Transformers and, and, and other you know movies, and and you know when we just did test renders of those on on the Gear VR, it was again the same shot. It just looked incredible. I mean, there's there's no way to describe the, the delta from seeing the very same thing as a, as a, even a 4K movie, even HDR. Like none of that compares to you know certainly not stereo. Even none of that compares to seeing it blasted in your eyes in this ultimate resolution, which probably will improve even more when you when the Gear VR can eventually support, um, you know, four, 4K screens. I mean, we, I'm sure those will come at some point, and you'll have double the number of pixels. But you can barely see the screen door effect, and it's it's still something that is a remarkable experience, even as it is now. Um, and I feel like it's, uh, it's, it's exciting to see, you know, content that's been, you know, experienced only as a 2D movie, you know, translated into this format almost directly when it's in CG. Um, so we've been, you know, trying to share as much 
it is possible. We've you know talked to you know shared the tools and the tutorials that we have with companies like Pixar and and um, and Weta and, and others that are uh, looking to do you know cinematic VR content. And a lot of them have been playing around with you know Unreal Engine, which is fantastic and it's totally complementary to the work that we're doing. Um, but you know if you if you want to go beyond what, what Unreal can do for you know, for movies quality, cinematic quality, things that are just, you know, beyond 10 million polygons, which is probably your limit in, in, in DirectX or GL, no matter what the engine is, then this kind of content is, 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 the, um, is the key to that. And, Can I ask uh, you a quick question? Yeah. What's the criteria for the contest? How do I, what, what will I be judged on um, in order to win? Well, you have three judges. I'm one of them. Um, and John Carmack and Alex Ross are the other ones. And I think that from probably speaking for all three of us, I mean, we're certainly looking for things that are creative and beautiful. Um, that's, those are the, you know, there, there are no hard and fast rules. Um, we want people to sort of, you know, push the envelope of their imaginations. And there's um, the criteria, the, the best renders that I've seen so far, some of which have been done by people that are, you know, you know, they're not entering the contest, people we work with for commercial work, uh, like, for example, the keloid renders are just stunning. Um, you know, those, what, what makes them look good, of course, is that they're, they're realistic and the scene is incredibly detailed. The more detail you have in the scene, the better these, you know, the impact is because it just makes you appreciate the actual medium that you're now, you know, targeting. Uh, you can get away with, with, with a lot of things, you know, when you're, you remember when you go from standard F to HD, you know, there's, there's, or even to 4K, people start to realize, oh, wow, you can see the, the makeup on this person now. And it's the same sort of thing with, with VR at, at, at this at this 18K resolution. The details that are on surfaces are, are become incredibly vibrant and visible. And I think that, you know, the, the, it's certainly from my perspective, the more detail that gets, you know, put into these renders, um, I think the, you know, the, the more impressive it'll be. Um, but that being said, there's also a lot to be done with the composition. So if you, if you download some of the samples, um, one of the uh, samples is the space station and, you know, you could have done it in many different ways, but I like the idea of, of, of that space station because it's, it's changing the IPD of the stereo uh, offset so, so much that it starts to look like a toy. And when it's in that sort of shrunk down version, all the details, all the weather veins, all the you know stuff on there, it looks like it's a miniature that you've walked into a, you know, under the 70s set of, you know, Battlestar Galactic where they actually built these things for real and, and uh, you know, and you're seeing the, the model, you know, that's that's 10 feet long. I love that kind of stuff. So those are the kinds of things where, you know, experimentation can lead to some interesting results. Um, you know, and, but if you look at the breadth of the samples that we already put out there, uh, um, there's they're, they're all over the place. You've got environments that look completely real. You have interiors. I think John's favorite, um, you know, render is the, is the uh, kitchen environment, which is just done by one of our, our artists, um, you know, as an architectural uh, render. But because it has so much, um, you know, glass and and um, and, fro and even frosted glass on, you know, around you, it just it's just a very rich experience being in that environment. And it, it, again, the realism that it provides and, and, the, and obviously even hyper-realism is something that I think, you know, is, is that's where VR really starts to become a very different experience than anything else. Um, and I think that's what got John excited. So, you know, we're, we're all sort of looking at it from, we want to be, you know, taken into it into an environment and be blown away by the hyper realism doesn't have to mean it's photorealistic but realism can come from many different um you know many different ways 
Um, but I think that, you know, there's, those are the, kind, the kinds of criteria that we're sort of looking for. And the samples that we have out there are all really good things. I mean, those are all, you know, would be contenders, I think, for, for winning prizes in the, in the competition. Um, and that's why we put them out is we wanted to give people a sense of what, what, what could be done, the kinds of things that we think look good. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure we'll be surprised by the, you know, by people's imaginations as they start to play with these tools and, and master them. Um, yeah, definitely. It's going to be exciting. I, I can't wait to see what people come up with. You know, um, we're starting to run out of time, but I have one last question for you. Um, sure. The So I've, I've come into a debate with people here and there where, you know, we, we argue about the two different, you know, the two types of metaverse we'd like to see when, when, when it all comes to fruition. And some people say they want something hyper-realistic, something indistinguishable from real life that is malleable um and you know you have superpowers but in this world that you know is indistinguishable the other camp says well why would i want that you know the real world is lame hyper realism is isn't what vr is about it's all about things i've never seen before um and so You know, my my question my my question is kind of twofold. You know, on what camp do you fall? You know, which which kind of metaverse would you like to see? And the second part of this question is, you know, where in what scenarios can you imagine hyper realism not being ideal uh, tool of implementation? Well, I'll start with the um, the first part, which is I think that that you know if you can if you can build the, the metaverse to the point where it feels, I mean, it is like the matrix, right? Where it just feels real and the, and the constraints that are, feel real. Um, you know, I think that, it, that that has to be built because it's, it's a, it's a simulation that, that you may want, right? I mean, if you want to replicate the real world for many reasons, right? Whether it's making a film and, the, and, and, and it was exactly what the kind of things we're doing with, with real looking people, um, you know, where, where the physics and everything else feel real and look real. That's, that's something that is probably going to be done, um, no matter what, you know, just just to make cinematic VR, we're going to do something like that. And of course, the, you know, the, the faster the renderer goes, and that's why we have different technologies. Uh, to, you know, you, you know, the more malleable it becomes. And and at some point, once you hit that point, it's very easy then to add another, you know, metaverse. And the whole point of a metaverse is that it's not it's not bounded, right? You can have many different, uh, you know, sub universes or sub metaverses that have different rules and different laws of physics. They don't all have to be in one, you know, spatial domain, you know, you can basically just t- turning a, a frequency dial, go to a whole different metaverse with a whole different set of rules and maybe a whole different kind of rendering even. But that's where I see if, if you want to be in something that, that is real, where the constraints are real and it's it's part of the experience you want to have, whether it's a game, whether it's just to feel grounded with, with what you are doing in the real world uh, or to simulate the real world, that's going to be there, but there'll be just um, it'll it, it'll be just as easy to do something where you have superpowers, you can fly everywhere because the rendering will be the same. It's just a lot of the physics behind that will be different, and there's no real constraints even now when we render things. We can make uh, you know you can take a, a human and have them fly around. I mean that's you know a, a lot of our CG scenes are probably going to be end up you know, being used in in these kinds of um, you know realistic. Um, superhero type scenarios right and that's the kind of thing where you'll have both so on that level if you if you want one or the other you'll be able to choose there's no doubt in my mind that that it's going to both be there and they'll both look real and and you know to the degree that they can feel real they'll both have the um you know the same sort of um you know constraints and sensibilities and, and and input so if there's something that gives you a sense of gravity for example and you're flying that sense of gravity can of course be 
you know, be done differently, um, you know, in, in, in a metaverse where, you know, you can fly, people can fly. So I think that, that, that there's a lot of different, um, there's, there's certainly not going to just be one. I mean, there's no reason for that. Cause as you said, there are people that want one or the other. And there's some people like me that think both are, are fine and, and should, and will probably happen. And I think there's no reason for them both not to be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as things that, that may not look, you know, and I, and I, I will go, you know, uh, you know, before you're getting to your final questions, you, people want things that may not look real. Um, I think that there's, there's something really interesting that comes from, you know, the going, going to a world where things are not exactly realistic, right? You know, let's just say they look realistic, but they're not, there's, it's more than just giving people physical, you know, tools to, to grow or to fly or to change the world around them. There's something to be said also when you can change the way that, that, you know, the world is rendered so that it's, it doesn't just look real. It looks, it looks hyper real, right? It looks, so, it, there's a fidelity that even your, your eyes can't really see, even though they should, right? I mean, the, the, you know, the, the world around you is there, but you don't have, um, you know, in short of giving you supervision, there are things that you could do that, for example, could give you um, a sense of what's behind an object or what is the reflected light of, of, of a human's body on something. I mean, there's different senses you can give people in a hyper realistic world through different spectra of vision you know, being into your eyes or even other senses um, that are really exciting. And I think that kind of stuff is, is going to be a really powerful tool. Um, and then that also leads to, to yes, to, to worlds that don't necessarily, you don't necessarily want to render realistically. I mean, if you want it to be a cartoon or you want everything to be, every avatar to be a sphere and the physics are different, ultimately it's still, you know, if it's going to be visual, it's going to be rendered in one form or another. And the tools that we're creating don't have to use complete photorealism there's there's people you know including us we've used octane to do uh the batman animated series in vrs and that looks like it's drawn um you know the same way that was done in the 1990s on and 2d uh with with uh you know pencils and and paint so i think that that all those things are possible and we're we're, we think that the 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 direction at least we're going in with the tools we're building can support all three of those or four if you count the hyper realistic realistic layers as an element um, and I think that there's not going to be any limits to creativity or metaverses once you're, you know, once everyone has the tools to start building this kind of stuff. That is, um, uh, thank you for blowing my mind. I have uh, a lot to think about uh, over the next couple of sleepless nights. Um, and thank you for coming along on the podcast and helping bring together the metaverse. Um, Jules, you have been a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality. How can people stay in touch? How can people follow what you're up to and what Otoy is doing and all that good stuff? Uh, just follow us on Twitter, uh, at Otoy. Um, okay. we, we post pretty regularly on there, and everything we're doing is definitely uh, tracked by our Twitter account. Awesome. Thanks again. Great. Thank you.